Lord, that's our, that is our heart's desire, that in all we do, we would honor you. Lord, help us to set aside any of the cares and concerns of this day and to focus on you and a word from you. Lord, speak and give us ears to hear. I pray that you have delighted as your people have offered you praise. Now we long for a word from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I have uh, two associates coming to join me today. Corbin and Morgan, come on up. Now, Corbin, I've been, I've been trying to wait long enough for him to get my job because he has great taste in ties. Isn't that right? But he, uh, he's just not growing quite fast enough yet. And Morgan, his cousin, is our bodyguard. So if anybody messes with us, y'all got to answer to Morgan, okay? Part of my ministry here is I just love kids. And these are two of the ones of, of many that I love. So Corbin, would you just pray and ask God to, to help us to hear a word from him today? Yes, sir. Dear Lord, please help um, Brother Tom as he goes through his trip. And please help him like his new church and home there, Lord. Thank you for everything you do, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You know, the scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go, and he's got bow ties. That's what I'm talking about. He even had matching bow ties today. Thank you to, um, to you, church family. Uh, you were very gracious last week in the reception, and so many of you came by, and you've, you've given great notes. In fact, I packed up all of the cards because I told Jan I want to get out the cards and read them every once in a while and just, just remember the good times. And so, so thank you for not just last weekend, but for 14 years. You guys have been a, a joy to pastor. A woman said to her pastor, you can't leave. Please don't leave. Pastor said, it'll be okay, really. She said, no, you don't understand. Please, please don't leave. You can't leave. And he says, really, it's going to be okay. You'll probably get somebody that's better than me. And she says, no, don't say that. That's what the last pastor said, and we got stuck with you. <laughs> I, I do believe that, that you'll get someone better. And I look forward to seeing who that is. How do you say goodbye to dear friends? Thankfully, we're not left without a biblical example. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul calls the elders from Ephesus, a church that he had spent three years with. Uh, he had planted the church, he had taught, he had preached, and he knows this is the last time that he would be seeing them, and so we look at his words today, and I want to preach a message entitled, uh, Remember Three Things. Remember Three Things. Acts chapter 20, I invite you to stand as we begin reading in verse 17 in honor of the reading of God's word. From Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. God bless the reading of his word. Go ahead and be seated. In this passage, Paul looks at his past, he looks at the present day, and then he looks to the future. And those are the things I want us to see in Scripture this morning. First of all, Paul's past work. His past work. In verse 18, he reminds them how he had worked among them. Paul says he'd been faithful to God in the good times and the hard times. It's easy to be faithful to the Lord when things are good, is it not? When things are not so good, then it's a little bit more difficult to be faithful to God. But Paul says, I've been faithful through the hard and through the easy. So many of you for over 14 years have been faithful to the work. You were faithful working before I came and you're going to be faithful working again after I leave. You've been using spiritual gifts in things like teaching to minister to the body of Christ. You've given faithfully, you've prayed faithfully, you've went faithfully so that the world would know. You've prayed for me faithfully as I've hopefully grown in preaching and in pastoring. And to me, it's your faithfulness in the past that ensures that God's work is going to go on in the future. And not just continue, but I personally believe thrive in the future. Paul reminds them about three things about the past. He said, I serve the Lord with many tears. Over the years, I've had opportunity to cry with some of you. I've had the opportunity to um, have you cry with me. We've grown together. You know, oftentimes as a pastor through the years, I've heard this phrase, you know, I'd like to, but I just don't have time to blank, fill in the blank. You, know, you hear that a lot as a pastor. I, pa- pastor, I'd love to do that, but I just don't have time. Let me just share with you. I, I'm convinced that we have time for, we make time for what we want. See, there's not anybody in the room that has any more or less time than anybody else. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so we make time, and so I'm challenging some of you to make time to worship and to serve and to give regularly. What would it take for you to be more faithful in worship, more faithful in giving, more faithful in service? Paul answers that for us in 2 Corinthians 5.14 when he says, For the love of Christ compels us. The reason you should continue to serve and give and, and worship is because the love of Christ compels you. Because that's what motivates you. Paul said he also served the Lord through trials. If you read Paul's life story and you know how many times he was shipwrecked and beaten and all of the things that happened to him, you know that his life was full of trials. And over the last 14 years, we have been tested individually and we've been tested corporately as a church family 
But our faith has made us stronger today because of it. We have endured. Paul says he kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed the full gospel. Paul says, I've been unafraid to preach the truth. I've kept back nothing. I've taught it publicly. And so I begin to think of, of what we have preached through since I've gotten to be your pastor. I think we made it through about 60% of the book of Genesis. We got to about chapter 37 before we stalled out because I think we had stopped Sunday night worship and that's when we were preaching through Genesis. Um, in the Old Testament, we've also completely preached through Esther, Daniel, Jonah, Habakkuk, Malachi. In the New Testament, we preached through 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and even the book of Revelation, verse by verse. We've had various sermon series that I've been able to share with you, like Christian atheism, believing in God but living like he doesn't exist. Series like Big Sinners but Bigger God, because we're all big sinners, but God's grace is greater. Spiritual boot camp, some of you remember that. I, I shaved my head to a, a really short crew cut for spiritual boot camp. Um, by faith, death and dying, extreme makeover, home edition, the elephant in the room, the, the lies that we believe, things we think that are in God's word but are not. Living in a post-Christian America, the I am's, the seven last words from the cross. Third person as we studied the Holy Spirit. We've tried to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Every time I've stood here, I've tried to stick to scripture. In fact, I've told you that if it's not in the word of God, if, if, if what I share with you and you wonder to take it to the Word of God. And if it's in there, apply it. And if it's not, let it be like water off a duck's back. Because the Word of God is the standard. Now, if you have been coming to Eastwood for very long and you have never trusted Christ, verse 26 is true. Paul says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. If you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, I tell you that verse 26 is true. Why? Because of verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Week after week, I've shared the hope of the gospel. I've shared with you how you can be saved. I've given you an opportunity to be saved. And so if you're here and you've been coming and you're lost, then I'm innocent of your blood. That's on you. And I hope that you'll give your heart and life to Jesus. Paul's past work. Secondly, he talks about his present commitment. His present commitment. In verses 22 and 23, he talks about being led by the Spirit to go where he's going. He says he doesn't know what awaits him. He just knows that his time at Ephesus is over. Um, David Livingston was a great missionary in Africa. Came from London. If you were to visit London today, his body is buried at Westminster Cathedral. But before they transported his body from Africa to London for burial, they cut out his heart at his desire. And they buried his heart in Africa because he said that he would always have a heart in Africa. We're not burying my heart, but I tell you, I leave behind a great bit of my heart in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Because you will always have a part of my heart. You, you have been in my life longer outside of family than anybody in the world. I've lived here more than I've lived anyplace else. And so you guys are part of me and I'm hopefully part of you. Third, Paul's prospective concern. 
He says, take heed of yourselves. And, and that's the present active. That means to take heed now, but continue to take heed into the future. And then in verse 31, he says, therefore, watch and remember. And it's another present of active, which means to, to watch now and remember now, but continue to watch and remember in the future. Let me speak to you for a moment about Eastwood's future. Keep the main thing the main thing. Stay committed to missions and evangelism. Don't let anybody take you from that. I read this week, while we were on vacation, we saw the movie, I think it's called First Man, talking about Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon, and what a great movie it was. And, um, and so I was reading this week about a family that was watching that first lunar landing. I remember as a kid watching it in the black and white grainy and you know, the staticky sound and stuff. And, and uh, this family was sitting watching it in silence and as, as the rocket slowly descended to the lunar surface. And just as it was about, I mean, it was a climactic moment, the thing's about to land, this kid breaks the silence in the room and he says, I want to watch Howdy Doody. Now, why do I tell you a silly story like that? Because churches... Churches get hung up on howdy-doody issues. Issues that are really of no significance. Keep missions and evangelism the heartbeat of Eastwood. Why? Because that's the heartbeat of God. Jesus said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That, that, he said that was his purpose. Missions and evangelism. Missions in that he left the glory of heaven to come to earth. Evangelism to seek and to see save those that are lost. Be on guard, Paul says, so that others don't lead you astray. He uses the word flock and he uses the word shepherds. And it's been a joy to be the under-shepherd under Jesus Christ, but I want you to understand that many of you are shepherds as well. M many of you have served the Lord faithfully as shepherds. We have some great shepherds here. I, I, at the sake of leaving people out, listen, if I leave you out, I'm sorry. I just had to randomly pick some folks. But like in our preschool division, Mike and Joanne Mitchell are shepherds. Week in, week out, they're in there loving on preschoolers. Mike and Courtney Loftus, Fred and Jan Stickle, preschool shepherds, have been through the years. Children's ministry, Scott Reed, Robin and Donna Gregory, Jan Reynolds, Johnny Swack and Linda Owens, although I question putting those last two in that category. Just kidding, guys. Shepherds. They, they shepherd our children, and they have for years, and they continue to do it well. Our youth are shepherded by folks like Ian and Danielle Miller, Josh and Darlene Porter, Christina House, and others. Our young adults are shepherded by men like Wes Kerr and Troy and Mary Beth Warren and Dean and Catherine Warren, and then our, our median and up adults. We'll just put it that way, okay? Great shepherds like Ernie Peterson and Lee Lewis and Phil Guest and Irene Meisel and Doug Jenkins and Monroe Joyner and Bill Edwards and I could go on and on. The point is, listen, the, the under-shepherd may be leaving, but there are many, many shepherds here at Eastwood. And they will care for your soul if you'll allow them to. In verse 24, he says, none of these things are dear to me. He said, uh, he just wants to finish his race well. And I begin to think this week, that there, have, there have been many who have finished their race during the 14 years I've been able to be your pastor. And again, at the sake of, I'm sure, missing some significant people, I just began to make a list of some of the folks that, that I thought of that have finished their race and finished it well while I've been your pastor. Men like Ellis Bentley, man of strong conviction and faith, uh, Hero for our nation as he bravely defended it. Mike Bieber, 
one of the greatest laymen I've ever met. In fact, I get Mike's funeral sermon out every once in a while and read it because I entitled it, Lessons I Learned from a Layman. Lee Brost was one of my neighbors, loved the church, loved his, the Lord and, and his church, Eastwood. And Wayne Burden, man, what a heart for missions. Nobody had a heart for missions more than Wayne Burden. Rachel Cosby, where's Brother Greg? Is he in here? Man, she, she had a love for embarrassing Pastor Greg. And I loved it. Ask him about it something. I'll go ahead and tell you because he's not in this service. She'd catch him in the hallway and she'd smack him on the cheek. And you know, Greg's in his 40s and she'd say, I remember changing your diaper as a baby. <laughs> now, that'll just bless you. All right? And she would do it in front of me and others. And, and I loved it. Um, Charlie and Pauline Dunn, how they loved each other. Love the Lord. Lewis and Connie Graham, they love the church and they love people and they love missions. Frida Friedley, you have to go way back to remember her, but she loved the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. Joe Howell was my neighbor. He, he loved the Word, was a Sunday school superintendent for years and loved seeing people in Bible study. Ralph Johnson, a profound love for Eastwood. Reverend Mike Lee. If there was ever a pastor who had a heart for lost people, it was Mike Lee. It was Mike. Doug McCoy, one of the kindest and gentlest sweetest spirits I've ever met Reverend Bill Rogers the first pastor of Eastwood just recently went to be with the Lord and he loved the word and served faithfully for years but he particularly loved Eastwood having been their first pastor ladies like Pat Tapscott and Inel Watson I, I, kn I knew that if I needed something prayed over I could take it to these ladies and I was assured that they were taking it to God they finished their race well Randy Worley and his love for the gospel through song. Loretta Faxon. What can you add to that name? I could, I could mention many more, but here's my point. Life is fleeting, and so you need to take the time to tell the people that you care about now that you love them, because one day they'll be gone. They'll be numbered among the saints. Many have asked me, is this my last sermon, not just at Eastwood, but ever? At this point, I honestly don't know. It could be. Likely, it is. And if by chance it is, I want to close this morning by sharing with you some lessons I've learned over the last 28 years that they don't teach you in seminary. All right? And these are lessons I've learned not just as your pastor, but in pastoring the four churches I serve you got, how many of you are old enough to remember the show Kung Fu with David Carradine? You know, they called him Grasshopper. The guy who said, Grasshopper, I'm going to teach you. Th All right, Grasshoppers, I'm going to teach you a few things, okay? Here, here's some things that you don't learn in seminary. Number one is, if you can explain it, God didn't do it. I, I mean, that, there's, there's reality in that. If, if we have a human explanation for why things happened the way they did, God didn't do it. He's a supernatural God. I mean, starting the second campus from scratch and now it's seeing it flourish. And I didn't realize till last week at the, at the reception when somebody mentioned over 60 mission trips. You can't explain that for a church our size other than the fact God did it. I've learned that nothing is as good as it seems and nothing is as bad as it seems. There's a middle ground. In 28 years, I've learned that the most important people in a pastor's life are people that he can be real with. And many of you have allowed me to be real. And for that, I say thank you. 
I've learned this one. Preaching can get you into trouble, and preaching can get you out of trouble. See, it gets you into trouble because the truth, if you're preaching the, the Word of God, it's offensive to those who are not living where they should be. And, and so in that regard, it gets you into trouble, but it also gets you out of trouble because if you have a church that's fussing and fighting like the first church I pastored, you know, Welcome Baptist, the oxymoron, really not welcome. They wanted to fuss and fight all the time, but they couldn't because people were continuously walking down the aisle, joining the church, getting saved. So preaching can get you out of trouble as well. I also learned that no one is indispensable. There have been times I've liked to think I was or think a layman was, but God has abundance of people. Pick your battles carefully. Not every hill is one you should die on. Yeah, there are some things you don't compromise, but some things aren't worth a battle. It took me a while, but I learned this one. People will remember how you treated them long after they have forgotten your sermons. You know, I've preached 2,200 plus sermons as your pastor. 2,200, and I think most of you would be hard-pressed to pick out five that you remember me preaching. But I hope that you know how much I love you. You may not be able to remember what I've preached, but I hope you remember that I love you. I've learned to strive to make it easier for the next guy who comes to pastor the church than it was when you arrived. And I hope, I hope I've accomplished that here at Eastwood. You'll like this one. It's kind of funny. Some who loved you when you first arrived may change their minds, but that's okay because some who didn't like you when you first arrived may change their minds too. <laughs> Seen that happen. And that's okay. I've learned not to read anonymous, unsigned emails or letters. If it's worth saying, I believe someone will put their name to it. And, it. and if it's not worth saying, or if it is worth saying and they don't put their name to it, then they're just cowards, and so I just learned not to read unsigned stuff. I've learned that I'm more prone to sin than I like to admit. I get Romans 7. Where the Apostle Paul said, the things I know I should be doing, I don't. And the things I shouldn't be doing, I do. I get that. I failed you in the past, and I'll likely fail you again in the future. But the Lord will never fail. I've learned to never give up on anybody. There have been some folks that I've wanted to give up on, but you learn not to give up on them because God's not through with them, and God does great things. I've learned that the person you give responsibility to should also be given the authority. If you empower somebody to do something, you should, if you, if you charge somebody to do something, you give them a task, you should empower them to do it. You know, sometimes we have a hard time letting go of things. I learned this early on in ministry. Just because a person has money and talent and has been a member of a church for a long time does not mean they should be a leader in the church. That first church... We elected deacons thinking, well, if we make them a deacon, they might become more faithful. <laughs> Cart before the horse. You elect deacons because they are faithful. I've learned that every pastor needs a pastor. 
I've learned to spend your time on energy, your time and energy on those who are positive because very seldom do you change anybody who's negative's mind. And, and yet that's what we do, man. If we, we share a vision and we find folks that don't agree with the vision. We spend all of our time trying to get them to change their mind when only the Lord can change their heart when what we should be doing is working alongside of those who get it and are ready to go. Hard lesson to learn, but I learned it nonetheless. You'll like this one. I have learned that naps are a key strategy to spiritual warfare. When spiritual warfare happens, it's nothing that a good nap usually doesn't make better. I've learned not to make decisions when I'm angry or hurt. It's kind of like going grocery shopping when you're hungry. You ever done that? You come home with a lot of things that you never intended to put into the basket. But you were hungry while you were shopping and it looked good. And if you make a decision when you're hurt or angry, you end up with stuff in your basket that you really don't want. Just a few more. A member brings you a complaint about another member. Ask them, have you talked to this person about it? And if not, don't listen. I learned that. Constantly try things that are so doomed to fail if God doesn't show up. We should always be trying something that if God doesn't show up and make it happen, it'll fail miserably. Why? Because we have a great God who wants to do great things. David and Goliath. God doesn't show up. <laughs> David's broke in half. Abraham and the land he didn't know he was supposed to, where he was supposed to stop. If God didn't show up and tell him to stop, he'd still be traveling today. Uh, Paul, in preaching the gospel, the persecutor of the church, now preaching. Two more. Don't take it personal, even when it's personal. I have found that sheep bite. And it goes in both directions. I mean, pastor sheep bite. There have been times when, and the reason I don't come out before service starts is because I'm prone to have my buttons pushed, and when I have my buttons pushed, I get mad, and then I preach mad, and that doesn't benefit anybody. There have been times when I have sheared God's sheep really well and went home and thought, man, I'd let them have it today, and God says, I hope you're proud because I'm not. So pastor sheep bite on occasionally, but people sheep bite as well. And so even when it's personal, don't take it personal. The last nugget that I want to share with you is this. It's the pastor's job to fill the pulpit. It's God's job to fill the pew. I tell you that because there'll be another preacher of the gospel standing here next Sunday. Don't quit. It's the same gospel. He has the same heart for the love and for Eastwood that, that I do. Maybe not yet the heart for Eastwood, but he'll grow into that as he serves as your interim. But don't quit. Let, let God fill the pulpit, and then you fill the pews. You know, it truly has been a joy to have had the opportunity to be your pastor for over 14 years now. Um, I thought, what is the last thing I want to say as your pastor? Ushers, if you would be ready for the offering in just a moment, I would appreciate it. For me, the most fitting thing to do would be for the last words that I share with you to be Scripture. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. 
always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ushers, if you would come.